I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carry to the tunnel and he was practically dead. Yeah, she's when he had passed away. Like that, that word was used. Oh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now you're very welcome along. Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times, who's just coughed, by the way. That was Sorry, you. That was well, you. Hello, you're very welcome. Thank you very much, Joe. Pleasure. And Andy Dunn here in the studio as well. Hello. How are you, Joe? We have a hell of a weekend to talk about. I mean, largely we're going to focus on Ireland, South Africa. Worth mentioning, there were some great games over the weekend. France 30, Australia 29 caught the eye. Australia coming to Dublin, obviously, in two weeks' time. England beaten by the same scoreline against Argentina. Michael Checa having the most amazing week, really, any coach has ever had between the Lebanon and Argentina. Uh, New Zealand put 55 on Wales and Cardiff, which does catch the eye. And then Ireland's next opponents, Fiji, beaten by Scotland, 28 points to 12. But of course, Ireland 19, South Africa 16 is our uh, first port of call. Just as an occasion, Andy, Johnny Sexton talked about it afterwards. He said, well, that's that was a test match. And by that, he meant attritional, intense. I mean, the injury toll, even in the first half, caught the eye. Uh, it was... Um, one of those matches where players go deep, I think. Yeah, and the crowd went deep and um, there was a furore at times around turnovers or penalties and you could see the, you know, at one stage, I think, Porter coming off the back of a penalty fist pump into the crowd. So, you know, there was that level of buy-in, emotional buy-in from both teams, supporters, um, always adds I suppose to that overall intensity of that test match experience Sexton is talking about and nice to see it in November at a time when sometimes other sports fans question the validity of it is it a competition is it not I mean it's uh, it's without doubt a competition and a competitive fixture yeah well look at Tyburn's face <clears throat> as he walked off it was like he'd gone 15 rounds I, 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 even at 6-6 six, six, that first half it was absorbing yeah I met a few people afterwards that said oh that first half was boring for me, it was anything but. I mean, I suppose for those who want their tries and you know, lots of running rugby, they'll get that next Saturday, ironically, one p.m. against Fiji. But I thought that first half was riveting um, because it was like a game of roulette in the way that Ireland were trying to take on the South African blitz defence and took a few hits uh, in doing so and, and failing on about three occasions when the, they did work engineer space on the outside to an accuracy of the passer or the receiver. And uh, if you'd said beforehand that the box was going to have five penalties to the inside the Leinster or inside the Irish 22 and go for them all and all five would be held up or the fifth, fifth one effectively stolen and Ireland would have one attempt out in the second half and they would score from it nobody would have believed you. That was, I think, it, it wasn't the most beautiful rugby but when this box throw their A game at you and you withstand it mm. um, it, gave, it, gave, it must have given them great confidence. Even then at half time as you arrived you would have said having lost Stuart McCluskey Conor Murray and then Tyke Fern on a, at the interval with Finlay Beelham to come out for the second half to face up to Stephen Kitchoff and Ox Neche. I don't know why they tried to scrum so illegally, why they just didn't scrum straight. They didn't. They were like they're going around the bend. Um, and so that was great that they came through in, th- in that way as well, but digging deep into the reserves. Jimmy O'Brien, I think, hasn't played at outside centre for Lancer since something like March t- last year. It was against Zebra Palmer. Like for him to slot in, mm-hmm. Gary Ring was, was magnificent again, as usual, just in his own understated way. And for them to then be rewarded for their brand of rugby and keep going for it. Um, it was a very brave performance in many ways. And I think what I really loved about it, Joe, is that I remember both head coaches last week being asked, oh, will you be keeping your powder dry for the World Cup in 11 months' time or less than a year's time? 
and neither team kept their powder dry. They both went out of both barrels and played their games and um, Ireland came out on top. Mm. Even that first 15 minutes, Jay referenced there where South Africa are just hammering away inside the Irish 22. I think Ireland made about 50 tackles in the first 15 minutes. Mm. Now, one of those things was unsustainable. South Africa were going to run out of steam or Ireland were going to run out of steam. And Ireland found their way a little bit into the game. As <coughs> Jerry mentioned, and, and curious for your thoughts on, on that game within the game, which was that South African blitz defence shooting up and Ireland desperately trying to, under crazy pressure, get out to the fringes. Uh, even on the Virgin commentary, CJ Stander was saying, this is going to work eventually. Mm-hmm. What Ireland are doing here is going to work. But man, that South African defence is quite something. Yeah, it's 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 fearsome in the speed with which they're, they're just in your face. But I think, you know, I thought uh, McCluskey, is a, he's a brilliant option because... He's he's obviously going to attract them physically, but if if we could get the ball in his hands more, or if Henshaw's playing there, the second receiver is the key person in attack against the blitz defence. It's not Sexton or whoever plays at ten, because they trade off the idea ten is going to throw a wide ball and that's airtime. And as long as there's airtime on the ball, they're coming up and they're they're probably making a gamble. It's going to be onto the into that third channel. If you just put an element of doubt in their mind you make a short bullet pass to, to 12 that that guy then becomes a dog leg in their defence and he's very vulnerable and you can then go over him and we could see that happening a couple of times but it was Sexton inevitably was throwing that wider ball over the top I think if the guy won out from Sexton is throwing that ball over the top the, the pass lands more often you get more space uh, sorry more I suppose connection you know, in terms of the distance of the pass. So a few of them just landed about an inch too short or Sexton was under too much pressure. But the idea was exactly right, is to try and float it over that rush defender. But I just think one out uh, doing that attack more from, from the McCluskey channel, for example, or the Henshaw channel, is the ideal way to then beat that defence. Mm. But, it, I, I mean, you mentioned that first 15, 20 minutes. We spent so long... Um, really defending as opposed to attacking really in that period but I, I, one of the things to look at obviously the defensive mall was I thought was outstanding really really outstanding but we we just had an easy cough up from a restart and against a, time, a, a team like South Africa if you cough up a restart and give them possession in your own half again you're just you're making 30-40 needless tackles and you're getting it's it's pretty punishing you know so I, I would imagine they'll sit back and look at that and say lads just get that restart right We're, you know, we, we've 30 less tackles to make so 10 incredible minutes after half time mm. two tries mm. yeah okay they got a little bit lucky with the Johnny Sexton inside pass to Mac Hansen that was forward and you know the South Africans complained in the media about that bitterly but we're never mentioning Judson Colby's yellow card that could easily have been read mm. but after that the sequence of play with Johnny Sexton down from the hit he then takes from Jesse Creel Mac Hansen goes into first receiver. Gary Ringrose goes twice into first receiver. They just kept, and they, that's when they're at their best then. And there was a lovely little disguise pass from Gibson Park to Hansen to go through the hole. And Ringrose is just playing outstanding rugby. He yeah. started at 13, moved to 12, and then he's effectively playing 10. He makes the final carry with his footwork that gets them over the gain line, that gets the spring box offside. And probably the pivotal moment of the match, it's six all, it's an arm wrestle. And Johnny Sexton says we're going to the corner. Oh, it's a, it's a take your points game on the face of it. And what a brilliant decision it was. Mm. And it did what it did as well, Joe. It really got the crowd mm. into the game in a major way. There was a huge war of approval at this call, mm. right? Mm. Let's go for it. Mm. And then they execute the try. Fair play to Josh Van, Van der Fleer. You see Simon Easterby giving Paul O'Connor the pat in the back. I wonder, did he mean to go blind, blind as much as South Africa were trying to 
drag them over touch and goal. And then the second try is just what this team is all about, heads up rugby. Like Hugo Keenan, great take, first game back, solid, solid as a rock. They go up the box kick, there's a loose ball from a rock. Caelan Doris, to keep that ball in play, was as skillful a moment as there was in the match. To know that Josh van der Fleer was there. Again, Balakoon and Ringrose hit the rock. And then you've got, who's it? it was uh, James Ryan a lock at Swarm Half. You've got the two props next receiving the ball, moving on to Jameson Gibson Park. And Gibson, but this is how you beat a blitz defence as well. Mm. If you just you show go and they shoot up. Mm. Um, Richie Mwanga does it brilliantly against. Mm. He actually does it better than Bowden Barrett. Mm. But that's what Gibson Park did. That that is the moment. That's the moment of skill, probably off the match. And then just really clever, excellent execution. Another lock involved, Tygburn. And then was it? It was Hugo Keane, and then to Jimmy Jimmy O'Brien, perfect pass from Mike Hansen finish. Like it was just a class try, yeah. and it felt. The, the only nagging thing about it was because Johnny didn't land either of the touchline conversions that what it could have been a 20 points to 6 lead was only 16-6 mm. and there was still plenty of time left in the clock but that effectively was where they won the match. Yeah. There was work to do um, even after the line break from Gibson Park. There's mm. something I love watching Hugo Kane and the free running style. He doesn't run like he's playing in an international rugby match. Most people run hunched or braced for impact. He kind of runs like an 800 meter athlete who's out on a track with no fear of being hit, and it's just it's there's a, there's an amazing freedom to watching how he runs. I just just an observation on that. But he 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 um, he obviously came into the line and gave it to O'Brien, but O'Brien did a, if you see that overhead angle, O'Brien straightens it up because yep. there's a lot of cover defence coming across, and it's a very subtle skill and can be glossed over. But he he really checked that cover defence coming Time across. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a skill that gets overlooked. I just he made it look easy. When he it did. Easy. He did. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of rush defence coming. There's a lot of pressure on your inside. The tendency is you're naturally going to drift with that, but to check that, go against it, yes. face that uh, kind of. Um, Onslaught coming across and then time the pass. He did. It was really nice little understated skill. So the reason that sounds so encouraging is we have these players playing off script, reacting to situations with mm. great intelligence. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I actually, I was, I got mixed up. Obviously, you, I didn't realize it was it was a Caden Doris who who went and picked it up and passed it back inside. Yeah, I thought that was I, I did my roles mixed up. I yeah. thought it was James Ryan, but um, Ryan comes in yes, back. yeah. But just, yeah, I mean, again, as Jerry alluded to, different ways to beat their rush defence. Gibson Park just held possession and delayed, as he referenced Moonga does so well. Rush defences like that can be broken when you have this. It's a very, very fine line between hesitancy and delaying it and then delaying it too much. You delay it too much, you're in massive trouble. If you delay it enough, they'll often make the decision for you and there'll be a gap either side of the uh, the runner that shoots. So it just takes an incredible amount of composure on the ball and uh, certainly Gibson Park has that. Just two defenders completely yeah. out of the game. Yeah, he just allows them make that decision. But uh, again, takes huge confidence and composure. Mm. And then there was probably a degree of hanging on part a little bit Mm -hmm. towards the end where again it was about resolve and what was very interesting Jerry is that Johnny Sexton said afterwards we were reviewing the Sunday papers yesterday it was on the front page of the Sunday Independent he was making the observation that maybe under that kind of pressure and that physicality uh, previous Irish teams he didn't pinpoint what years he's talking about but he said they might have folded under that kind of pressure so he was almost talking about a, a kind of psychological resolve maybe that hasn't been there previously. I jumped off the page to me. Again, he didn't name names or name teams, but it was pretty 
there were a few teammates going, oh, interesting. Mm. You know? mm. It was a very, he's very honest in his immediate yeah. post-match assessments, isn't he? Sometimes maybe too honest for his own good. He always is. Like, remember after the Champions Cup final, should I have gone for more three-pointers? Nobody had asked him, but he just oh, thinking yeah. out loud. He set the narrative yeah, in, yeah. in the chain. So, um, I think that's a valid that, point. Does it jump out to you, though? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And I'll tell you what else, Joe. I mean, I hate viewing all these November tests and all the Six Nations games now purely in the prism of a World Cup. But had the Springboks won that game, even by the by then coming back and winning and taking from Ireland, the narrative would have been, oh, just like England away if it went at full strength, or France and Paris, Ireland and now the box, and a bit like La Rochelle and Saracens against Leinster, yeah. Ireland can't take the big the, the mm. big physical bullying from these teams. So that kind of dispels that narrative. And what's more, I think that narrative could have seeped into the players' minds if they had lost. Mm. By winning that, I don't think it gives them a great psychological edge when Ireland plays South Africa in Stade de France. But I think it denies South Africa one. The edge. Because where are you on the size question now? Because a part of me absolutely, you know, totally agrees with Jerry's point there. It would have been very damaging to lose this mm. African size. But at the same time, home advantage when you're going up against that size feels significant as opposed to neutral venue. They have a number 10 who really um, just proved beyond all doubt as great as his feet are. He can't kick. Mm. And, you know, they were, I know Sexton missed some kicks, but they were <coughs> costly kicks for South Africa. Uh, to miss, we've 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 maybe parked the the size worry as opposed well, I, to completely um, put it to bed. Oh, I, the size. I I personally one of the one of my biggest worries was parked back in in Paris back in in uh, was it February or March. Uh, we didn't get blown away in the set piece or in the mall in France. We 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 got. I suppose we lost physical battles because they made line breaks. There, on my sense, watching that Ireland France game back in February, February was the likes of uh, Damien Penno and um, the the left winger. Uh, his name escapes yeah. me. Do we do we not have the likes of Antonio and these guys running over Ireland and then they went wide? No, no, it was the other way around. Really? The way, honestly, the first fifteen minutes of that game, we had a chat about it on I here. Remember, and, they, and you, they, you convinced they, me at the time. I convinced you at the time, <laughs> and now you've gone back to the yeah. original narrative. But I'm, I'm wholly convinced yeah. that France made line breaks out wide against us in that game and then when they're behind us they gave it to the likes of Antonio who's running onto the ball from 20 metres against a broken defence that's not losing a physical battle against a 150 kilogram man mm. you're not going to win that no matter who you are it, what happened against France was we held our own in the scrum and we had a very good defensive mall and that slightly got glossed over because we lost against South Africa we had a very good scrum again by and large, there would be a few worries there, and we certainly creaked in the second half. I think Porter got away with one as well on uh, um, on the penalty decision that was the same sequence with Sexton's forward pass. So we had a bit of luck, but our line-out defence was strong, our, de- our defence overall was strong, our scrum held true. So I wouldn't... I think we did really well in terms of matching that physical South African dominance. I really do. Yeah. And I think there's an element of we can we can park it with hope yes. going forward. There's other issues that I'd be concerned about. Is that South African side, every bit of them is built for a kicking dominant 10. That's what that team needs. And this guy, Philemsip, was, um, he's a footwork player, he's a baller, but he, he ain't the guy they need yeah. in the way they play. And even Willie Derue coming in. The, the difference he made. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a part-timer in that mm. position, but he made a massive difference to how they play. So in that respect, and I think, you know, did they throw everything at each other? Yes, they did. 
Yeah. But with there a are view, caveats. with the view to the World Cup, there was also a degree of well, let's see how Willems goes at ten, and they've learned that now. So they are still refining and fine tuning. Yeah, I think physical parity when when that happens, if you've got a good reliable kicking ten. That kind of add a whole different aspect, and I think that's what they've had when they've been successful with Mornay staying with Andre Pollard. So do you, think if, do you think if Pollard's in that team at ten, they win the game? Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah, I do. I that, and that's crucial. I wouldn't necessarily agree. Okay, I would think that if they had Pollard and Lucanio Am at outside centre, then it's a different game because Lucanio Am is really their creative force. He's their create, most creative back player. Before you get to the speedsters on the on the edges, Jesse Keel, great defender. Yeah. And make, and defended superbly, and you know defends that outside channel, leads that blitz defence as well as anybody. But he doesn't have the range of skills of a Lucanio Am as a very underrated player, even though he's won a World Cup winner. Yeah. So expand though on why with Pollard uh, they win. Well, they kick their they kick points. their points. Simple as that. Yeah, and I'd imagine they play a bit more territory, um, and just a bit more, um, I suppose, contained. They, they've slightly fallen between two stools there with a huge a monstrous pack who can take on a team physically but then they don't play a kick and territory game with a kind of dancing fleet footed 10 who's not controlling anything so I would imagine it's a classic case of the forward pack getting up after a fair bit of work and seeing that they're not 30, 30 yards further down the field and not too happy about it yeah um there's, they have a very definitive style that is successful and they make no apologies about it and I don't think they should go away from it going into the World Cup but they definitely need that type of old-fashioned traditional kicking dominant 10 for them to be at their best. He's not a great playmaker though, Paul, no, is he? No, and, he's not. And when you see Willie Leroux come in at that half, what the difference that can yeah. make? They actually had some skills in the outside channel. Well, they like, could. I mean, the, the, the Etzebeth pop for the last try was sensational. He was probably their best player. It was outstanding. Yeah. I think for their and game to work. evolve, yeah. they, they could get a different 10, but I, I don't know if they're going to do that. Really, don't yeah. You? yeah. They got away with a plan A to win the last World yeah. Cup, but yeah. you know, you're not going to win every World Cup with just plan no. A. And no, well, hopefully they don't. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good plan, but hopefully yeah. they yeah. don't. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take a very short break. Jerry Thornley and Andy Dunner staying with us. Ruby and Off the Ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Back in one sec. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now you're very welcome back to Monday Night Rugby by the way competition Autumn Nation Series continues Fiji in town on Saturday we have a pair of tickets to the game we will throw in two Ireland jerseys as well all with thanks to our rugby partner Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team to get your name in the draw all you have to do is identify our mystery voice asked if Ireland are now favourites for the World Cup the World Cup in 12 months' time or 11 months' time. Yeah, people will, I suppose, postulate about um, who's where and who's favourite. And, you know, um, it's a nebulous thing for us. <laughs> to uh, enter, just. <laughs> it's like every time you turn a section, you cough. <laughs> He told me I could. I asked him, could I? <laughs> I didn't know it would go on for so long. It's a short uh, cough. If you know who that uh, mystery voice is, text your answer along with your uh, name, please. 53106, hashtag uh, Team of Us. Jerry Thornley is still here. Andy Dunn still here. On uh, World Can Cup. Can I cough? Yes, but listen, by all means. <clears throat> whether I say yes or no, it makes no odds anyway. So on World Cup favouritism, I would say there was a distinct we park this and move on quality to the Irish management and player reaction. A real... I, and I think... Uh, a sincere one as in we've climbed this mountain before and being world number one well we know it's it's great and everything but it's been done and two they're just so badly burned by 19. Mm, true. And uh, 
again, that might have fueled the narrative that you know this one that you immediately asked straight afterwards on television, yeah. have we peaked too soon for the World Cup? Um, and that would have gathered momentum too, wouldn't it? The, the naysayers are just waiting for this team to slip up so they can start saying this. You know mm. what's going to be said. Mm. So that's part of that theory as well. Um, can we park that theory? I know for the I, moment, yes, yes, yes. I know the they're not getting carried away, but I think it's a, it's a legitimate talking point that every would Ireland not want this World Cup right now as opposed to in a year? No, because they think they're going to get better. I agree. You agree? Mm-hmm. Fully. 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 I just think, okay. we're, I think we're taking, we're playing, we're actually playing at a, such a high competitive level, but we're also playing within ourselves. I think we've got variation in our attack. I think um, we're building strength and depth across various positions. I think there's the psychological impact of 20 years, um, you know, cyclical, this such story of getting it slightly wrong half the management have been through that as players and they're just so tuned in to the timing of, of this process. I, I actually feel we're just going to keep slowly, gradually improving, building strength and depth. You know, Friday night's game is another example where you've got another host of guys who are just young lads who are just kind of a little bit back from from, rea- from real likely starting places, but again, not a million miles. So. I just really like how he's managing the whole thing, and I and um, where we peaked previously was I don't know what and I was on record and we chatted on air about it in that Schmidt area. I'm not sure was there anywhere to go with our game. We were at peak level of execution with our game when we were peaking. We yeah. were playing a very definitive style that was labour intensive, and the whole thing was Jesus. Can we keep this going? Like it's not an overly labour intensive game and attack that we're playing. It's a very skillful game. Uh, and also, you like know. I said earlier, there was those three, three or four chances when they didn't get to the edges. Like as Johnny yeah. Sexton said afterwards. They didn't play well. That was another revealing comment that he made. Yeah. They can play a lot better than that. They actually found a way, another completely different way to win a match against a top-tier nation that yeah. they probably haven't done in this long run of 15 wins and 17 games or whatever it is. So I think they can play better. And I agree totally with Andy that they can improve their depth in certain positions. They've still got to find out about more players. Mm. Next weekend against Fiji is going to be very revealing, the selection. You know, even looking at the squad today, it looks like um, both Caelan Blade and Jack Crowley have gone above three other internationals in their positions who are back at home with their provinces. I'd be interested to see if they've gotten involved because they do. Have to, who is the alternative at fullback to Hugo Keenan? You know, there's a few issues still to resolve, and they've got some time, but not a huge amount of time. Maybe the Italy game, the Six Nations, maybe Fiji, to degree Australia, to find out these questions. So I think, mm. and the other thing I think as well, which is key, I don't think that Irish team under Joe Schmidt was as adaptable as this team. I think last Saturday shows that they're more adaptable. They can find different ways of winning. And they're also less predictable because they're, they're less prescriptive, therefore they're less predictable. Yes. So they can't be analysed as easily by the opposition. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, even the, um, I think the initial attack, the very first attack, set it up midfield yeah. off a line out. And Murray, who I've criticised for, you know, the box kick before, but that was a really brave Trick chip play, kick. It, yeah. was a, you know, yeah. it was a chip kick deep in the opposition territory but you can clearly see on replay there's 12 guys lined up 
ready mm. to ready to roll. Mm. They know what's happening, and Ringrose wins it back. That immediately puts a rushed defence, South African, on the on the back heels. South African defence. Next time we get it in midfield, they're like, "Can we rush? Can we rush? Maybe they're going to chip over." Just smart little things like that that set the tone. That's very unpredictable. You wouldn't. Nobody would have said we're going to do that in the first two minutes. And it's nice to it's see the first play of the match. Yeah, it was their open gambit. Absolutely, very clever. Mm. And, I, yeah. and I can imagine a lot of people at home going. Oh, here we go again, feast and box kicking, but actually... No, it was a really smart, smart one, play. Well executed, okay. yeah. yeah. And it led to three points. points. Yeah. Would you like Joey Carberry to have got more minutes? Hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they didn't show a huge amount of faith, but then again, Johnny Sexton's not only the number 10 and the captain he's Johnny Sexton like Listen, he's, he's he, the most he, important player he, in the he, team he's I'd in like the habit to of playing 80 minutes at the moment isn't yeah he? and I think yeah, it's, a good, it's probably a good thing for him but I, I wouldn't like to see him get a whole lot more time now in, you know in terms yeah. of he doesn't, certainly doesn't need to be involved against Fiji no. and I would wager he doesn't need to be involved against Australia because we already know what he can do unless there's you know time in his legs they need him to build up time because you know the, you how do you prepare for Six Nations where there's five in a row or World Cup where there's five in a row? You can't prepare for that by rest, being rested all the time. So they've got this very, you know, I suppose balancing act. They've got to play and it's tricky with Johnny. I, I would like to see maybe Carberry get a full 80 in one of the games and one of Frawley or... Crowley maybe getting a bit of shared time in one of the other games. Well, because Crowley's dropped out, Crow- Jack Crowley's next in. So I would like to see Joey start next week against Fiji and maybe move to full back for the last 20 or 30 minutes like he did against Argentina last November when he was man of the match. It's another little, great little extra ploy to have. Mm. And Al can play full back mm. and very effectively. Um, just a nice little weapon to have, like the way the All Blacks use Bowden Barrett or whatever else. And Willie 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 Willie. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good thing to have. Not every country has it. Yeah. And then let Jack Crowley make his debut for the last 20 or 30 minutes. And it's Frawley injured, injured? Yeah, he's got a twisted knee from the A game. Okay. So Crowley effectively has been called in. Mm. And effectively, so has Caelan Blade due to Colin Murray dropping out. Mm. starting to have a bolder feel, isn't he? Mm. 12 months out. Mm. Uh, the other thing to mention, because I, I guess in that holy trinity of Porter and Furlong and Sexton, please don't get injured. Mm. Uh, Furlong did get injured and Finlay Beelham came in and more than held up his end of the bargain. Mm. He's actually having a good season with Connacht. I think I mentioned this show before, he's closed out four wins against the All Blacks, yeah. including Chicago. Mm. I think I think it's time to cut him a little bit of slack. I think there is a theory, because Tyke Ferdinand has been so brilliant, yes. that's obviously one thing. I think maybe it's something to do with his look. <laughs> um, he's just a bit of a joker as well, and he, you know, he just, he's an interesting character. But he's a bit of a joker in Connacht, you know, very much so. Um, keeps the spirit in the dressing room alive. But he played once against, I can't remember who he played him. They played him at loose head. And it went very badly for him. But he's not a loose head, he's a tight head. And he's now about 31, so he's actually coming into the peak years of his career, really, yeah. for a prop. And he's been playing very well for Connacht this season. He had a fantastic day in the scrums against David Kilcoyne. Connacht did a number in the monster scrum. And um, he's got good skill sets. Yeah, as we saw. In yeah, he does have. Yeah. So, like, I'd like to see him start now because he's. A, I can't remember when he last started a game because a lot, of, like a lot of these players who were on the bench. Well, you'd like to see him start a match. <clears throat> You're talking about and do we park? You know, debates about being physically overwhelmed by the likes of South Africa. But you start a game with um, Tyg Byrne in the second row. That could easily be levelled at your front five. It's slightly too lightweight, but if we show parity, which we certainly did in terms of the scrum. The, the driven mall and you've got Tyg Byrne there who's yeah. in terms of what he can do around the field is is immense that adds a whole 
aspect to how competitive you are. When, when we when we stopped their driven mall, which we did through matching them with physical strength, we then became disruptive to the same mall. We didn't just hold off. We stopped all the momentum and eventually we started breaking through it and it caused huge headaches for South Africa. And you, you could just see those little, again, these are, the, I suppose, the nuanced little details that having a guy like Byrne there, if we hold the hold our own in terms of the the, the weight discrepancy and but we, we match it for strength and technique in terms of the mall and then we get Tyg Byrne breaking through it and causing havoc and yes. other guys from Fander Fleer coming through there's a real there's a distinctive uh, approach there that. yeah there is I have never heard you as enthusiastic about what Ireland are doing yeah I haven't been yeah. I haven't been as enthusiastic and I, I think that change happened when we beat England in, in an empty Lansdowne Road the initial four or five games um, when Farrell was in charge they were very much finding their way and they weren't you know, particularly they certainly weren't playing anywhere near the level they're at now. But they never could I think play in a game okay. like that, could yeah, they? You know what no. I mean? They were the, you couldn't just turn on a game like that no. like a tap in the first no. game. And a new coach and everything like that. But mm. certainly his his um his initial games there was there was a lot of um trial and error going on. And well, my cat was under big screw. Huge, yeah, huge. Yeah, he was, he's yeah. getting he's not getting enough credit now. I right across the board, um there seems to be smartness there seems to be a resourcefulness there's ingenuity there's strength and depth there's variation in attack there's you know even you know we stopped their defensive mall on so many occasions but then late on we threw a guy up I think it was it was a Treadwell or James Ryan at the front and he just robs them five yards out from our line the last one before half time no, yeah. last one before half time they're thinking right, right we're going to get them this time but then we just countered them mm. again and it was just so smart there was no driven ball we stole it on them they're clearly very, a very empowered team aren't they I, yeah. all the coaches yeah. empower them look this is why I'm happy but you, you've got to decide on the pitch not absolutely. us absolutely and when you, if you're looking at that on you know often a big criticism you look is like the players aren't using their head in the in the actual moment. They've a box of tools, but they've they're not picking the right tool. This yeah. team seems to pick the right tool, which suggests their their game management is smart, their theory is smart. Yeah. And that only comes from experience and then coaches who say, I'm not going to decide every facet of play for you guys. You're gonna to have to work it out as you see it. But throwing um James Ryan up two minutes before half time having stopped three or four defensive malls it's another little moment where you just went that's a sharp team yes mm, mm. Just, their feet. absolutely mm, mm, yeah. mm, mm. it's very encouraging are you hearing much about Gary Keegan it's just he's got a, such a track record yeah they made a big point in 2019 of talking about the mentality and the psychology of the team and we mentioned Johnny Sexton's comments after the game at the weekend he's a big factor He's okay. a big, big factor, and both individually and collectively with the players, it's arguably as big a transformation as there's been in any other aspect of this Irish team. Is the psychology of the team, the total next moment focused, like for Keith Earls, Peter Manning, and Conor Murray all to basically come out and say, "This is the best squad I've ever been involved in," mm. having effectively been relegated to the bench or worse. Yeah, just tells you how the buy-in. Yeah, they're a happy bunch. Yeah, it's just a huge buy-in to what they're doing. Yeah, and that includes not swinging from the rafters when you win a match. That includes saying, yes, right, what can we do better? What can we do better? Mm. Uh, Razzy Erasmus took to Twitter. <laughs> I'm presuming his account wasn't hacked. So uh, he's taking responsibility for this thing going public. Uh, he is, uh, well, I would say he's just launching the Twitter mob on the referee, uh, Nika Amashukeli. And uh, what he's shown is the two clips of 
ball being kicked in ruck in both instances. One time it was allowed in Ireland's favour, the other time not allowed in South Africa's against uh, South Africa. And look, it was a mistake. Referees make mistake. I dare say if you were to assess Razzie's performance across the uh, week and all the players across the 80 minutes, they also made some mistakes. These things happen. Apparently that's not allowed with Razzie and so he has to take to Twitter and uh, really try and publicly put this referee under massive pressure. And he would have heard the pressure that Nick Berry felt last year and still he does it. Uh, I hear he's a very charismatic person. Mm-hmm. And people are very fond of him in Munster. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I look from afar and I just really don't like much about his behaviour. No, neither do I. I think it's pathetic. I think it's coincidentally, what it came in the media aftermath of Springbok's defeats, both the video rant and now this one. Yeah. So basically, Springbok shouldn't be losing. It's a sense of entitlement. They're world champions. They should be able to beat the Lions. They should be able to beat Ireland. It's so one-eyed. But, of course, back in South Africa, he's the king. Mm. So everybody goes along with this. And it's very polarising. It's damaging for the game. It's, and like I said, it's pathetic. You could easily, he never picks out decisions that went unfairly in his favour or in his team's favour. Like, you freeze frame that last penalty before half-time that Matthew Raynell calls from the side of the pitch for offside. And it looks a perfectly formed line of Irish defenders behind the hindmost foot as uh, the scrum half is passing the ball away and then comes up together. There's no one player even slightly in front of the rest and no number is called. I just, I thought it was an unfathomable decision. So you're always going to get a few decisions in review that don't go either way. We know rugby's a far from perfect game. It's certainly its laws and its refereeing, its match officiation are far from perfect. And they obviously got away with this, this, the biggest decision, the biggest call of the day in Cheslin Colby not getting red carded. Many an official might well have given Cheslin Colby. I sometimes do think that had that been somebody else with a, a worse disciplinary record, they would have got a red card. Less of a superstar status. Yeah. 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 Uh, Erasmus knows what he's doing. Uh, this puts pressure on this referee the next time he referees a South African game and it puts pressure on any referee refereeing a South African game because there for the grace of God go I and I know what I'm going to get in the aftermath now from Razzie. He needs to be sanctioned for this. Yeah, this well, is not I, the way I, it's this done. is what I'm surprised by. Was he not heavily sanctioned? For this is his first game back after a two-month match day ban. Yeah. That was his and first game back. this is back. his response. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's um, He's he's threading a very thin line of turning international referees against his team. Like it's I don't know how clever it is. That's a good point. Like you know how many international referees it are going to be? It worked for him in the lines. Definitely worked. Worked for the lines. They were paralysed in the second test. Yeah. Took, remember, it took an hour, and the high hits were suddenly no, not going the to be ref, sanctioned. The referees anymore. are an egotistical bunch that stick together, and they you know a lot of them now are ship shape, trim, look the part think their way through these games analyse everything to the hilt there's no way there's a group of, and they get together these referees well, and they, they do, sit yeah. down in in very very serious way in a very organised way and they will discuss this and I can't fathom that 15, 20 of these guys are going to sit down and say we're going to get walked on by Razzie Erasmus again so like I'm not sure if it's going to go in his favour so you, you got a lot of fellas coming into referee them going I'll take this one. I guarantee you're going to have a couple of refs putting their hand up and say, I want this game. Yeah. I would like to take this game and they're not going to bully me. So, like, that's not a good outcome for you if that's your team. And referees are almost going in against you to start or to prove a point. I can think of one or two past referees would fall into that category. One of whom is named Lewis and the other is <laughs> named Rollins. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they, you know, the nature of referees, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm uh, slightly uh, stereotyping here, but there's a lot of referees who rate themselves. I understand that. You know, last and, summer uh, it and they majorly like, worked for him. Yes, majorly. I just don't see it happening again. Okay. 
Ireland Day, New Zealand, we should mention at the RDS <coughs> with a view to Thursday in Porky Cueve as well, which mm. has been a sellout for a week. Mm-hmm. Very excited mm-hmm. to get some international Weeks rugby even, yeah. down there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I mean, Damien McKenzie was joy to watch on oh, Friday night. Pure joy. Yeah. I went along not working, which is a lovely thing to do. Okay. Sat in the press box and watched it. Yeah. And you just couldn't take your eyes off McKenzie. He was so far and away the best player of the pitch. Yeah. Like his ability to strike the ball. That pass after the intercept off the line, but he, they get a slight deflection in the throw and he runs up and catches on the full yeah. and he gets second involvement and he throws out the brilliant left to right pass. Oh, he was class. I felt sorry for that Ireland team because I think they got the short straw of all short straws. Go on. Well, I don't think they were excessively well coached because there wouldn't have been time to excessively well coach them. I can imagine they held a lot of bibs mm. for the eight. I could be wrong, but there was a line out. They were 14 nil down and they get their first entry into the... Uh, mm. The All Blacks 22, and they have a line out, and it goes well, and the ball's down to Casey off the top, into James Hume, who's playing slightly out of position at 12 and got a fearful buffeting, and he carries it up the middle with Jamie Osborne beside him. Casey comes around, the ball's presented, and Casey's there, and it's not one of the packers at the ruck. Not one. Like for the second phase. Yeah. Like that's pretty basic. Mm. And in defence, they have Casey on the wing for a cross kick, like. So lambs to the slaughter. I, th- I thought a little yeah. bit. Could you not count to argue as an element of foresight there? The management know they're exposed. Mm. They know they're going in and they're undercoached. But they're going to learn rapidly as a result of the experience, the chastening experience as it is for them. That they're, they're then exposed to this environment again, just, and it's, you know, how do you get closer? How do you get better? You learn a lot quicker as a player having gone in and got your arse handed to you, yeah, just I, in, you know, for, for 45 minutes or 60 minutes. Uh, after 15 minutes, I was thinking something that a, a retired colleague I met at the match on Saturday thought the exact same thing after about 15 minutes. This was like watching a match from the 90s. Okay. Mm. Really was because they were just winning so many collisions. I can't mm-hmm. remember an Irish ball carrier winning a collision all night. It was very moment, hard. There was a moment where Coombs took it off uh, line out and ran straight into a wall and got smashed backwards. Mm-hmm. That was the team of the night. It really was. Mm. Yeah. And they looked as well like a New Zealand side that had actually not taken the series defeat in the summer all that well. I mean, Surprising. maybe we'd underestimate it, you know, the, the kind of... Or in the likes of McKenzie, not taken being left out of the senior squad yeah, sure. too well. Yeah, sure. Perinara wants back into that squad and they had a separate coaching ticket that had been coaching for the, prepared for this game for one week. It looked it. It looked it. Um, what are we expecting then on Thursday at Porky Cueve? There are 14 Springboks capped, named in the side. Um, Ireland will name their team on... Or sorry, Munster. Munster. Munster, Munster will name their team on Wednesday. I guess this brings back memories of the Hacke in 08, all those years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 how do we pitch this? What are we to say about this? Well, it's a great occasion for the Munster brand. Yeah. It promotes the Munster brand again. It shows the Munster brand of South Africa. It's a fa- fabulous brand, Munster, still. I sometimes think they should sell it more in the way they make players available for interviews and so forth. They're not, they're not the best in the world at that. Mm-hmm. But it, it is still a fabulous brand. Um, and it would be there would be a great sense of occasion. But they're they're be, really up against it, are they? I'd be slightly fearful for them. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. I'm told they took last week off. They needed it after the bruising start they've had to the season. So um, it's going to be a very tough game for them. But then we all thought that no eight. We all everybody thought that monster team was going to get absolutely annihilated. It was the only non-competitive fixture stroke of the season and was by some distance the best match of the season. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Now, 08 Munster versus 2022 Munster is slightly different. Mm. Mm. That would be the, the concern. What would you... What well, that 08 team had Peter Strina and Mick O'Driscoll. These players weren't making the Strina but they had a lot of good players. I might stir up this deep-rooted thing in their history from 78. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. 
young players who grew up and on that legacy you know going out and get a chance to play against the Springboks yeah. in a packed stadium you should get 20 20 30 percent already mm. higher than you would expect mm. on a normal match day yeah you know we should just finish by noting the passing as you did in the paper today of Paul McNaughton um an extraordinary sporting life. I, mean, I was reading your piece and some of the sentences in it jump out. So Leinster Hall of Fame, Irish International, Rugby, Soccer, GEA, uh, played for Shelburne, Bray Wanderers, the Wicklow Senior Footballers. There is a line where you say he played all three sports at Lansdowne Road, Daly Mount and Crow Park in the same season in the same month and then went on to have this career as Irish team manager with Declan Kidney and EPCR board member and chairman and wow, amazing. Hugely influential figure throughout not just his playing career but particularly after his playing career because he was a ex- sharply intelligent man I was lucky enough to get to know him he was very helpful for me when the Irish Times did a book on the 09 Grand Slam even though the RFU were doing an official one he still made people available to me so we could <coughs> get our book done he was a very strong man very intelligent didn't take much in the way of BS and uh, when he wanted to get something done he got it done and he was key in Leinster recruiting the likes of Rocky Elsmees and the same as C.J. van der Linder to give Michael Checker the squad to go and win that 2008-2009 Heineken Cup. Key, key figure. And then Kidney, of course, who brought him into Leinster, actually. He was the one that approached him. Then brought him into the Irish team. Yeah. First year, he was helpful in getting Gert Small and Les Kiss on board and so forth. And was a very strong presence as a team manager. And... Uh, now, I'm not giving him all the credit for it, but he, you know, he was there when they won the Grand Slam as well. And then he went into EPCR. He had his battles with the English and French club owners. And then after the move to... I remember talking to him, he was leaving. He, said he was just <coughs> bored with it. He fed up with it. But, uh, yeah, I miss him terribly. It was very, it was very shocking news, wasn't it? Great yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, when you talk about it, I suppose they're so influential with acquisition of big players and his own career having been so successful in sport and then afterwards I think even commercially yeah. you know, so so smart but in terms of the managing the little fella figuratively speaking and uh, psychologically like I was on the outskirts of a Leinster team in 06, 07 I was a backup to Felipe and Cheka was never the kindest to uh, fringe players and I you know I'm not alone on that and that was just his approach but he took an amazing amount of time with myself and about 10 others who were really kind of outcasts in that squad. So he, he not only had the, the, the capacity to manage the likes of Cheka and the IRFU and acquisition of players, but he paid attention to the little guy on the fringes. And I think that speaks volumes for, for him as a person. And I, I cherish how he, those memories of how well he treated myself and a number of others when nobody ever saw that or heard about it. They, they'll... They'll see the stories about yeah. playing in Croker and Lansdowne, but um, incredible, man. Much of what he did was behind the scenes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Incredible yeah. fellow, yeah, man. Incredible. A very sad loss. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, that is a lovely tribute. Uh, Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times, Andy Dunn. Thanks, fellas. That was superb. Cheers, thank you. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.